to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is someone who is going to help us preview Charlotte, Atlanta, Miami and his team of Orlando City. It's the guy currently interim manager of Leeds United. It's Logan Stump. How are you today, Logan? Hey, it's better than Chris Armas, right? Um, I'm, I'm fantastic. <laughs> Nobody knows who the interim manager of Leeds is right now. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you're doing well. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited about having, you know, having our guest on. I hear he's great. So um, yeah, who are, who are we having today? Yeah, Logan Stump of Orlando or City Beautiful. I never get my podcast name right. City Beautiful SC and Orlando City Podcast. Uh, you can find that anywhere you find your podcast. Find us over at City Beautiful SC over on Twitter. So, yeah, looking forward to talking to him. Yeah, do you have lots of conversations with yourself when you're on your 100%. show? Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm like Logan. What do you think about this? Well, Logan, you see, I am. <laughs> oh boy yeah oh boy yeah that's that's great that's uh <laughs> that's how <laughs> that's how i was um like w- whenever i used to play like career modes like i still do but as like a kid or as a teenager you know be like in the shower or driving in my car and i'll be like Jordan Wiegand's having a great time coaching the Philadelphia Union. They have not lost a game all season. What is that like, Jordan? Oh, it's pretty good to... <laughs> Same. Same. I wanted to be a play-by-play. Or actually, I want to be color color commentator because I always felt that was better than play-by-play. See, I like the um, play-by-play. So we can do... We can be a, a team. We really should. So if anybody is looking for a broadcast to <laughs> Apple TV, if you'd like, you know, one of those like Manning cast, you can have the state stateside cast and it'll just be yeah. Jordan and I shooting the breeze about probably God knows what. Um, Won't get any viewers, fun. but no. it'll be fun. Right. Uh, it's a good investment uh, yeah. for us anyway. Right. But <laughs> no, when we had Dave Denholm on, you know, who is the LAFC play by play, we had him on last season, like mid year. Um, it was like right after the bail stuff, I think. And I told him, you know, on there that he like the reason I he drew me in, right, is because of his commentating styles, like how I am when I play FIFA, like saying every person's name, making good descriptions on what's going on because he's a good radio broadcaster. So uh, we'll have to try to get him back on because he's he's great. But 
we won't be talking about LAFC today. We did that last week. So we had an episode last week with Gio, uh, Gio Garcia, which was the LA uh, previews for both Galaxy and LAFC. And then we had uh, our, what, San Jose, RSL, Colorado preview. The, uh, the underperforming teams is what we called that one. And then this one, we're going to... I don't know this the uh the, the zaxby's i don't know zaxby's area of, yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> we got charlotte yeah. atlanta inner miami and uh orlando city and atlanta did i say atlanta okay we have four teams charlotte fc atlanta united inner miami and orlando city um but yeah so so that's I don't know what we'll call that. The Southeast uh, is is what that is. So we're going to start with Charlotte FC today, uh, whose head coach is Christian Latanzio. Latanzio, sorry, and he he took over uh, what mid year after Miguel Angel Ramirez or Mar, as people called him, right, uh, was let go uh it started off pretty okay we were kind of like why is he leaving right or why is he fired i kind of forget how it happened but it wasn't i guess some of the players didn't really care for miguel angel ramirez we kind of heard maybe christian fuchs didn't like him there was there was a few things there that people were uh, not going well with under Ramirez. They played 14 games. They had 16 points, which for a new club, you're like, okay, one points per game. That's like better than the Chicago fire. Right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Keep throwing Dude, Chicago fire catching strays from Jordan. Absolutely. All season. Pre- I think every single episode has led. When we talk <laughs> Chicago fire guys, I'm just going to warn you now that might be a really long episode just because Jordan's going to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'll take shots at DC because DC United, all right? So this is yeah, a team that's been around though. since 96, by the way. And they have 0.79 points per game. So, I mean, they were doing, they were, do, let's see, 1.16. If that's how they finished the season, they would have finished 12th ahead of the Chicago Fire, okay? But below Atlanta. They ended up finishing ninth with 1.24 points per match. And that's because... Under Latanzio, Latanzio, why do I keep Latanzio? Latanzio, there we go. Latanzio, there you go. 19 games, 26 points, which put them at a 1.37 points per game under the new manager. That's the easy way for me to say it. 31 goals, 32 goals against under the new manager, uh, which was an improvement from 13 goals and 18 against. They had better XG by almost 10 XG. And they had uh, almost double, or exactly double, big chances created uh, under... Well, I mean, they played more games under Latanzio. Uh, So that's kind of what the story of the season was. They were the surprise team. They kind of jumped up and got to ninth. In the East and Logan, they missed the playoffs by six points. What, when you look at it here, right, and you're looking at Charlotte, it was their first season. Do you declare their first season a success? 
in that regard? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that you look at, I mean, obviously, if you look at the worst kind of blueprint, right, it'd be FC Cincinnati. Like, that, that's not the blueprint you want. Uh, it took Cincinnati to kind of, what, two or three years to reach this point that Charlotte has reached in their first season. Um, I would say the most successful, obviously, Atlanta, like how they boom into the, I mean, as far as starting, um, they've kind of been on decline. So, you don't. I think the most consistent, I, I feel like the, the blueprint you would want to steal is Nashville's um, because they've just been consistent, reliable, that team that's just going to, I think St. Louis will be kind of similar um, when we do get It depends. To that. I, I guess it would depend <clears throat> on how far back we go, right? Yeah. Like if, if you're looking at modern, I would say Nashville is a really, right. Nashville and Atlanta are really good blueprints. But if you're looking at, like that's the thing. Where do we draw the line, right? That's true. The, the best one was Seattle. They came in. They won U.S. Open yeah. Cup four years in a row. They were constantly in the playoffs. They were constantly, you know, they started winning trophies. Like that—that that, that is like the gold standard. But mm-hmm. that's rare too, right? To jump in and immediately be kind of competitive. I would say maybe even LAFC is another one. But the, the difference with LAFC is that they just have all that cash. They have yeah. all those owners. They have the destination. So it's. It's very different. Uh, I would agree with you that Charlotte was a successful season. I forget what we said theirs would be last year. Um, I think it was just don't win, don't, don't get the wooden like spoon. don't get the wooden spoon, right? That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. And thanks to DC United, they didn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran away with that. And uh, then you have, you know, they they missed out on a playoff spot by six points. Which I think if we were to hey, you know, if they have nine spots this year, they're in the playoffs, and that would be a very successful season for a starting team. So, yeah, I would probably say that Charlotte was a success, but now it's about growing, right? Like growing from last year. I'm sure you'd want to see some sort of improvement on the standings but again that all hinges on and it's ridiculous we're saying this 13 days away from the starting season uh it depends on what playoff system they use and and you know jim Curtin was saying the same thing in his press conferences of we'd like to know it right because it, it's going to affect how i handle ccl it's going to affect how i handle early season games because if we can get in the ninth spot then we're fine like you know um so so it's kind of one of those things where it's like why are we waiting so long to determine it um i feel like i and it's the league that's making this decision but i feel like there's got to be somebody somewhere that's like all right Going forward, we have to know the playoff structure a month before the season starts or something like that. So that way teams know what the goal is. The teams have no clue what goal they're reaching right now. And I know what you're thinking is owners make that decision, but the people that are building the squads are the GMs. So if the GMs have no clue what playoff spot is what or if they have to win three games in the best of three, like they have no clue how to build their squad right now. So they're going off the old, I I guess in that sense, you have to kind of just go off the old model. All right. Seventh place is the playoff spot. And that's what we have to do. And I hope that's what Charlotte is doing because Charlotte leaping from nine to seven would be a huge success this season. Um, 
they ended the season with three wins out of their last five matches. So they really started playing well at the end. And in fact, we can look at Charlotte. If you, you can point out any game, but if you want to look at a game that threw the union off from hosting MLS cup, they laid an egg in Charlotte and Charlotte was playing well near the end of that season. And that is something that you can look at and say, you know, if the union get a point there, they lost. If they got a point there. They win supporter shield. They host MLS cup final. Maybe they win it. And we're looking at a whole different season. So Charlotte really came on at the end of the year. They had a good first season from their DP strikers for Dursky with 10 goals and four assists. Daniel Rios. He didn't really hit it off in Nashville. Didn't really hit it here. Uh, I mean, he did have seven goals and one assist, but he got shipped out. He's at Chivas Guadalajara now. Uh, Their defense gave up 52 goals. So that's kind of the stage that they're in of, okay, let's improve the defense, and let's look at did any of that happen. Well, Fuchs retired, right? So does that help the defense, or does that hurt the defense? I guess I want to look at you, Logan. He's joining the coaching staff but he came over for one year christian fuchs you know how does that affect the team you think here going into 2023 i mean he was an anchor in their back line a center back that i think you could rely on um and now i mean with the death of anton walks you've got two gaping holes in the, in the center back pairing um because the two are now gone so it's um with fuchs joining the coaching staff i think it helps tremendously just because he's just been around and he knows how to win like the guy's just been on teams that just have figured out how to win yeah i would say even the charlotte team a team that i don't think should have played as well as they did last year especially ending the season i feel like fuchs did a nice job of just kind of anchoring and being that consistent solid back piece that just really had the team um solidified as far as uh, just you know getting a plan, getting a vision and kind of coming up with what that vision is. And as the, again, as they, you know, get under Latanzio, um, I, I felt like they were a much better team. Um, they tend to play a lot better when he um, was at the helm. So I don't know. I think it, I think this team is good. I think that they um, have a lot going for them. And I think adding Fuchs to that leadership, uh, I guess, position in the coaching staff and kind of an assistant coach it helps tremendously because he's been around. He knows how to do it in this league. Um, so, no, I think it's big, but I think it's a big loss that Fuchs is retired. But the other two, Rios and Alcivar, um, I, I just feel like those two never got acclimated to the league, and so they're not really missing much there. And then they go and add a nice uh, couple pieces here that we'll talk about. But, yeah, no, Fuchs, big loss, but I, I think it's good that he's sticking around. Yeah, it's funny when I when I think about Fuchs, I think about the shirts we made, right? Which was <laughs> uh, we are Fuked because yeah. Mar said it's yeah. over. We are screwed. Part, probably part of the reason why he's gone because they weren't screwed. They ended up ninth place. Um, they played well under a different manager, so it seems like the negativity may have been one of the reasons he, you know, he ended up leaving. Um, but yeah, so, the, so they lose some players there, but they have added a few here. They add Enzo Copetti and Ashley Westwood. And what is your thoughts here on looking ahead? How does Enzo fit into this team? 
Yeah, so Enzo's played really well in the preseason. I think he just grabbed a goal yesterday. Um, has looked really good in the attack and creative in that position on the wing. Um, I think it's a massive piece to add in next to Carol Soderski. I think Carol's a great striker. Um, Shin Yashiki, when he plays, he's been pretty good for Charlotte FC. Um, he was really good with the Rapids when he played there. So I, I think that this team's got a lot going for them as far as the attack's concerned. And, and again, I think it wasn't really the issue um, with Charlotte. I think Charlotte had a great attack. I think they had nice pieces to kind of place in amongst each other. But Capetti adds a whole different dynamic. I think he's got the abilities to really kind of be special in this league, to, to create um, something special out of nothing. Um, at times, I think he plays uh, a forward position as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what that depth chart looks like, what it looks like if they, they can play together. If Capetti and Swiderski can play together, plays on the wing, um, but they also have Vargas and Joswiak. Uh, so it just, I think trying to get them all together and playing uh, with one another, I think it's going to be massive for this team. But um, I'm kind of interested to kind of see how those depth pieces look. Um, I know Swiderski has been linked to a lot of other clubs uh, in Europe. So if he moves, Capetti kind of steps up in that number nine spot. But being able to be versatile in the attack, I think, is going to help. Yeah, so what the MLSsoccer.com article says when he signed here is that they expect uh, they expect Copetti to be the number nine and Sverdersky is going to slot in his second forward or okay. number 10 role that he started kind of doing near the end uh, you know, of the season last year. Um, so this will help, I think. And then you'll still have the wingers. So it feels like they'll be pretty good in the attack as long as Copetti does what he does. I mean, he had 14 goals in 51 games in the Argentina league, uh, in his career. Liga Profesional. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's. All right, total, he's played 150 matches and scored 37 goals in his career. He's 27 years old. He's a DP. He's signed through 2025 with a club option for 2026. So, I mean, if it works out, he's here for three years, right? Three full, well, 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. He's here for four full seasons if the club exercises that 2026 option. If they... If they don't, because it doesn't work out, he's here for three years. They'll probably get rid of them before then if, if it doesn't work out. But I guess we'll see. See how good he is. Th these are the type of signings where, you know, young Argentinian player that comes over. Okay, we've hit on a few of those in the league. We've missed on a lot of those in the league. So it'll be very interesting to see, does he come in? Is he really effective? How long it takes him to adjust to Major League Soccer before, you know, uh, see if he takes off or if he has a slow start to the league. Okay, so we had uh, what we also have going on here is Ben Bender, of course. That's my Maryland boy down there and we also have Kerwin Vargas two young rising talents how role how big a role will they play i mean I, i'm sure bender will play a pretty big role because i feel like they love him down there i, I feel like they do I've, I've seen so many charlotte fans who just absolutely adore ben bender the social media accounts always posting clips of ben bender he played pretty well 
down there. So I'm I'm thinking Bender will play a big role. Now I'm not super familiar with Kervin Vargas. So Logan, do you have any information on Vargas? Yeah, so uh, he was their right wing uh, last year. Um, and a special talent, uh, somebody that going forward, I think, uh, plays in nicely with. And it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, I forgot Copetti was playing more of a nine and Swiderski was filling in behind him because of the second deep striker. Um, but I, I think that, I, seriously, I think their attacks, if all comes together and, and plays well, um, Capetti being a big piece of that, Vargas, you know, being a young player coming into that as well. I think that, th- I mean, this team could be really special as far as the attacks concerned, just because I think they both are creative in chances, uh, you know, creating big chances, creating goal scoring chances, uh, goal scoring actions were fantastic from Vargas last year uh, as well. But I just think, you know, I if you look at this team, they really do have just good players in the wing, good players in the midfield. Um, Bernico is really good uh, as well. Um, creating chances. I think Ben Bender could be special, uh, had six assists last season. Um, and I think becomes even more creative as you play alongside some of these really good attacking players. Um, I don't know. I, I think Charlotte's got a really good chance to be uh, kind of threatening in the attack. And, and honestly, in the East, uh, I think we could call this episode the the, the four teams that could. <laughs> like these are the four teams that really could make the playoffs. It just depends on how well they all come together. Right, I think, and yeah. how many teams are yeah, in the right, playoffs? Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, I you know, it... I'm looking at I'm looking at Charlotte right now, Logan, and something I didn't realize at all is, do you know how many draws they had last year? I'd guess like twelve. Three. Really? Yeah, thirteen not... wins. Okay, so they either one three or draws, That's... yeah, and eighteen losses. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't think I, I didn't even think to look at that. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I just happened to look because I was looking at their goals. All right. So they've had 44 goals last year. I expect that to go up, right? Like I expect mm-hmm. if, if if everything hits off with Copetti and the wingers are playing well and you have Swiderski out there scoring maybe more than 10, right? Like I feel like Swiderski, you might see him make a leap, right? Because he's acclimated to the league. He started playing better as he got deeper in the 10 or second striker role. So if he's playing off a of Copetti with that, then you're looking at, okay, maybe he's scoring 15, maybe he's scoring 20. And then if Copetti is putting up, let's say nine or 10, right. And he's playing better than Rios did. And then you're getting some goals from wingers or other things like that. I, I'm expecting this number to jump higher than 44. I would say maybe like a 50, 55 type goal season. But that still comes down to the defense, right? They really have to – they gave up 52 last year. So there are teams that got in the playoffs with negative goal differential and scoring 44 goals. Do you know one of those teams, Logan? It's a team you have a podcast about. Orlando City Orlando, yeah. scored 44 <laughs> goals, which is the same amount as Charlotte, and they scored 50 – they gave up 53, which is one more than Charlotte. They actually had a worse goal differential than – uh, than Charlotte, but here's the thing: they got one more win than Charlotte, and they had three more draws than Charlotte. So they ended up having four less losses, which catapulted them into the playoff spot. So if Charlotte can clean up the defense, they actually don't have to score more goals. But the fact that I think they will, I think, just increases their chances of getting into that playoff spot even if it's a seven, even if it's only seven teams, or if they don't go nine and they go eight, I think Charlotte has enough to make the leap. 
but there's always the hitch, right? That Nashville is coming back to the East. So that actually takes away a playoff spot. If you think Nashville is going to continue how well they've been. So if I'm a Charlotte fan, I would say I probably feel pretty good going into this season, but I would still kind of have this thing of we're probably going to be in the last one to three playoff spots. Like we're not going to be, I don't see them making the leap like Nashville did in season two. I don't see them making that sort of leap yet because I still worry about the defense. Yeah. Um, it looks like Hamidi Diop too is going to uh, start in the center back position just because they don't have a, a healthy rotation of center backs with Carujo out uh, injured. So it does look like so far, it looks like Hamidi Diop is going to kind of slot in next to Melanda and uh, that center defense. Like I, it just, I'm concerned just because they, they haven't added anything and they lost a ton. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like the defense isn't going to get better. Like I, I think, I feel like it's going to kind of stay on par if not the same. So it, it just, I don't know. I just, I'm concerned just because the defense, I, I feel like they should have gone out and gone more defensive, maybe throw some more, you know, splash some more cash towards the defense, but they just yeah. splashed it more towards. They like got a, Westwood, but he's, but he's a, a defensive yeah, midfielder, right. you know, he's, he's a backup not, defensive mid. So I guess the good thing is maybe if the defensive midfield plays better, maybe it's not falling so much on the defense, but That's it's, true. Yeah. you know, yeah, they probably need to go out there and, and get, some replacements for somebody like Christian Fuchs and yeah. uh, more depth in the back. To start a rookie and center back at, at 18 or 19, 20, whatever year old, how many is, I mean, how many's good. It, just yeah. It, it can good. work. Right? right. I mean, we've seen some teams be able to do it, but the, you know, this is always the weakness of MLS, right? Is the defense. And when you look at teams that play really well, yep. LAFC, Philadelphia union last season, Yep. The defense was the thing that catapulted them into the position of being able to win a supporter shield or play an MLS Cup final. And when you do when you have a good defense, you don't have to rely on as much goals, right? Like you're you're not living or dying by the it's kind of like the lead situation right now where if leads could stop leaking goals, it might fix some of their issues because they don't score a lot as it is. So when they give up two, they're like, crap, we got to score three. We can't even score one right now, <laughs> you know? So, you know, when you're, when you're playing with fire like that, that's, that's kind of where it falls. So I guess we now have stability with the coach. We think, right. We don't think he's going to get fired mid season and you have the front office and the coach and the players who are now used to playing in MLS, they played a full season. They're ready to go for season two. What does a season two look like, Logan? Do you think here we have what, like, what is a successful season, right? Because this might be, like you said, it's for Dursky. Somebody comes calling for him after the season ends and he's gone. This might be like one of their best chances to have a really good year before they have to like already start replacing players three seasons in, you know, next season. They might have to start being like, oh, we already have to replace Serdersky. Oh, we already have to, you know, do this. And, and then maybe that's when teams start kind of dipping at times. So what would be successful 
for them? Is it playoffs? Is it moving up a spot? Is it just not falling down? Like what, in your opinion, would be a success? Well, I feel like we have to preface everything by saying 17 playoffs. I feel like being in the mix on decision day, and I know people are like, well, that's not much of a step up. But if you look at the East, there's still a lot of question marks and confusion in around NYCFC. Like, I, I feel like they might not make signings right now, but in the summer they could just unload or loan people from one of their clubs that City own. And uh, depending on if City, like, has a team in uh, a couple of months. But I think they, they could end up saying – players and an infusion of talent within NYCFC, they could spend how much they could splash cash and all of a sudden they're a really good team. They're already pretty stable. Um, I would think uh, they're probably mid pack um, below the East, maybe fifth line right now in NYCFC. But if they add one or two players and they're right back to where they were, um, I think CF Montreal too, there's a lot of turnover there. Um, they did go and get Aaron on Losada. Not sure how that works out, but assuming they're worse off than I think Charlotte might be this year, just based off of like looking at what they've added and what they haven't added. I do kind of feel that way in, in some sense is that Montreal might not be as good as people think they're going to be. Um, that's a lot of stuff that they lost uh, last year, but seven team season, Jordan decision day, they need to be in the mix, whether that's seventh spot, sixth spot, eighth spot going for uh, their first playoff berth as a franchise in just their second year would be a tremendous success. I think, um, I think honestly, as long as they improve, improve defensively uh, as a ninth, team in the playoffs that's 100 percent doable for this team because that's where they were last year uh i think that an eight or nine spot seven spot would not surprise me with charlotte just because i feel like they're going to play better defensively maybe marginally um depending on how the coach goes i, I think mar just didn't have it figured out defensively um but again it, it just depends i think their attack got better so i think that it could push them over the line so i don't know nine nine team playoff they're Easily in, I think, a seven-team playoff, they'll struggle a bit. But I think they should see it as we should at least fight for that seventh spot. I'm inclined to agree, but I think I might give them... Yeah, I mean, if it's a nine-spot playoff, you were in ninth last year. Now, of course, we got to keep prefacing Nashville is coming over, right? So if you think Nashville finishes above them, that would actually have put them at 10th. But even then, I would expect improvement. So I would say you still want to climb a spot, right? So you're looking at maybe ninth. So if there's nine team playoffs in each conference, I feel like the goal is playoffs. If it's seven, I think, like you said, it is push for a playoff spot. Be that team. Shore up your defense. You know, hopefully you have uh, Kopetti and Swiderski clicking, right? Uh but what I would also say is what I would love to see is because we're not sure on how a lot of these teams do it, but I, I would like to see them take something like the U S open cup seriously, maybe make a little short run there, you know, not like field your reserves and get bounced out round one. Like I would like to see them take it seriously. And then there's the question of leagues cup leagues cup. I would say just like dip, dip your foot in, like get, acclimated to playing against like Mexican teams, CONCACAF teams, uh, and hope that it doesn't really slow you down in the major league soccer campaign is, is what I would hope for. If you're looking at leagues cup, because there are some teams where I think when we look at what a success is, I'm going to be a little bit more harsher on 
okay, you have to take League's Cup seriously. Like, you're a big boy in MLS. But Charlotte's not at that stage yet, so I think it's like, okay, maybe take something like U.S. Open Cup seriously. Maybe just have fun in League's Cup and then make sure you try to make those playoffs in Major League Soccer. And I think that is where I stand with, with Charlotte. Okay, let's move on to Atlanta United head coach Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, guess what? Their biggest signing, Garth Lagerway, coming in from Seattle as not GM, but he is like CEO or something. Uh, you know, he's above most people. I guess. I'm not really sure how this structure is, but I think Bocanegra is underneath of him now. Who knows? Uh, but they finished 11th in the East. Not good enough for Atlanta United. And in fact, outside of the year of COVID 2020 season, this is their worst finish in MLS. Uh, this will be Pineda's. Oh, last year was Pineda's first full season, right? Or is this the first full season? Uh, when did he come in? It would have been. He came in this, this will be his first full season, right? Cause he got, did we have Heinze get fired <laughs> last that? season? I think maybe that was the year before then. Maybe I have it wrong because I'm starting. Hold to on. I got to check because yeah. since COVID, everything is messed up timeline wise for me. I think it was yeah, 2021. He got fired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Pineda had his first full season. Didn't go great. Riff of riff with uh, Joseph Martinez. He's gone, right? They scored 48 goals. They gave up 54. So again, they're kind of in that, bad defense corridor, negative goal differential corridor that we're talking about with all these teams right now. I don't think any of them had a plus goal differential. All these, all the four teams we're talking about minus goal differential. Okay. That's how we grouped them this, this year. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, injuries and players falling out of favor were an issue with this team. Joseph only appeared in 26 matches, only had 12 of those B starts. Um, yeah, Miles Robinson, most miss of the season. He played in just nine matches. Brad Guzan only played seven. Only two players appeared in over 30 matches, Marcelino Marino and Alan Franco. <laughs> Your note here, just front office is a mess. That's kind of what we're hoping Garth Lagerway is cleaning up here. But as we reflect on last season, the worst season standing-wise, by Atlanta United. I'm not sure how the fans felt last season as being the worst because I feel like vibes were certainly down when they had Frank DeBoer and Gabriel Heinze. So I know a lot are upset about the Joseph Martinez stuff, right? We can't really get around that. He is, he was like the figurehead of the club. He was the face of the franchise. He's gone and he goes to, I'm going to put it in quotation marks here, local rival inner Miami, right? I mean, like it's another Southeast team, but I don't know if they really have an authentic rivalry, but that's where he's going. Now this will make it a rivalry. I'm almost sure of that. I'm almost sure when inner Miami steps on the field, and if Joseph is starting, he wants to win that game. And I think uh, Atlanta fans or Atlanta players will want to say, Hey, we can win without Joseph Martinez. I'm certain Pineda is going to feel that way. So I, that, you know, that's fun. And I, what I really like about that is that we're having like inner MLS moves there. That is, this is how that happens, right? I mean, I think we can almost all point in another sport, a player on our favorite team going to a rival or going to somewhere else 
that kind of creates this, we really want to beat him. Like when, when we see that guy again, thank you for everything you did, but you know, we follow the, as Jerry Seinfeld says, we root for the laundry, right? We're not rooting for the players. We're rooting for the people wearing the shirt, you know? Um, you can have your favorite player, Joseph Martinez on Atlanta. He goes to Miami. Now you're like, Ooh, we don't want him to win. So that'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out with, with these two teams when they go head to head, but they had a lot of departures. <laughs> Both of the players that had 30 matches or more than 30 matches are gone. That's Alan Franco and Marcelino Moreno. They're gone. Dom Dwyer's gone. Ronaldo Cisneros is gone. Joseph Martinez is gone. George Campbell is gone. But they have brought in a lot of arrivals, and I actually really like what they did here. So they brought in Garth Lagerway. They bring in people like Derek Etienne Jr. They bring in Clement Diop for goalkeeper. Uh, I really like those moves. They brought on a lot of goalkeepers. What's going on there? Raul <laughs> Godino and Quentin Westberg are all goalkeepers that got added. Luis Abraham, uh, Abram, sorry, coming in in the center back. Uh, Juan Jose Parada coming in at center back. And the big signing, I guess, central forward, we have Georgios Yakomakis, right? Yeah, Yakomakis. Yeah, Yakomakis. There we yeah. go. That's gonna be a fun one to say. Uh, they got one. You put in... it out there I for tried. me. So I yeah, know how I to tried. say it, but I couldn't <laughs> still nail it. Yeah, I'll still butcher it. I still butcher it. There's one in Orlando too that we'll get to. That's a great name. It's probably the best name in all of MLS. But this one's a close second because Yakomakis Jordan. He played at Cal- he played at Cal- he played at Celtic um, for the Scottish Premier League. Uh, team and uh, was phenomenal. Six goals and nineteen appearances for Cal- or for Celtic. I keep wanting to call it Celtic, um, but uh, really a, a top goal scorer. He had thirteen during the 2021-2022 season, which led the Celtic um, front line to a league title uh, in the Scottish League Cup. Uh, I, I think I don't think. Wait, no, they wouldn't have won the. I don't think they just won the League Cup. I don't think they won the title because I thought uh, Rangers did. Anyway, um, I don't know my Scottish Premier League stuff, but. Uh, I will say he is an impressive signing. Somebody that I think obviously is going to, it's like kind of that transition. You're looking at 10 to 11 goals. I think it's pretty much that standard, isn't it now? Like with Carol Swiderski, uh, Erchan Cara, like they just, they, they all, they all score that nine to 11. Like that seems to be the case for all these strikers that come in. That'd be good. He scored, like you said, I think, I think you said it's 26 goals and 57 appearances. That's pretty good numbers. And I think some would agree the Scottish Premier League is a little higher level. There were some players that came from MLS, went there and didn't do as hot, but there were some that went there and did very well. So probably all on the player, really, of how he's going to adapt to this. Uh, But I would say it's pretty almost like an even league if you're looking at production. So if he can come over and score, you know, 26 and 57, that's like, two seasons right so you're looking at 13 right like if you're gonna break it down that way like 13 goals in a season would be really great for him coming in this atlanta team which is giving you more than uh joseph gave you last season right how many did mark joseph martinez score he only played 12 starts 26 matches so he did not have he had nine goals last year nine goals so it's giving you more than that now it's not re- I doubt it replaces peak. Yeah. 
Joseph Martinez. Seven goal, Joseph. <laughs> yeah, that's tough to do, right? Like it's record breaking. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think the main goal on Logger Way is getting this team back on track, you know, getting this team kind of back under, I don't know, the Atlanta brand, what the fans expect Atlanta to do. So they played against uh, Cruz Azul, and this is what their preseason starting 11 was. They had Brad Guzan, Andrew Gutman, who, of course, scored, what, like the 1,000th MLS goal? Is that what it was, 1,000? Yeah. We all had that on our bingo card. Uh, Parada, Miles Robinson, Brooks Lennon, uh, Franco Ibarra, Caleb Wiley, Tiago Almada, uh, Rosetto, and Luis Arajo with Machop Chol starting, I guess, where Yakamakis is supposed to go. Uh, so I guess how much does Garth Arrival help with this club going forward? In my opinion, this is like the biggest signing in the league, really, because his look, we, we just talked last week about RSL. They haven't been anything really since Lagerway left, right? He went and built on top of what Seattle already had done, but he made them better. He, he, got them the MLS cups. He got them the champions league. He dips out. And now I think he has a higher role than what he usually does. So I think that's part of the reason why he goes, but also it's a tough job to turn down working for a new club like Atlanta, who has already risen to high expectations. We have high expectations of you for a new club and a team that's already kind of in a decline where he's like, all right, let me turn this around, right? I think that is, uh, I, I'm assuming that's part of Loggerway's move there. I mean, a lot of it's probably money, right? I mean, you can't, you know, you can't r- rule that out. But when you have, I mean, not to equate it to us again, right? But when you have, like when you play FIFA career modes or when you play like Madden career modes or MLB, a lot of people, like doing these career modes where they say, okay, let me take a fallen giant, you know, somebody that hasn't been good recently. Um, You know, before Liverpool got Klopp, a lot of people would be like, this is a team that's fallen apart. You know, I'll do a career mode of building them back up. And I'm sure part of that is in the mind space of Loggerway, even though Atlanta's only been around for, I don't know how many years, six, seven years, (laughs) but they have already risen to that level already got an MLS cup, you know, already have won uh, a couple trophies. They've, they've risen to that level of, we expect more. And I think Loggerway is thinking I've done that to two clubs. Now it's time to make the leap again for another club. And I think he has even more power. I think Pineda, you have to show us something this year or you're gone, right? Like I, I feel like, he had a full season. He had a half a season when Heinze got fired. Like this is, I don't think it's going to be a point of he's getting five years here. Like I think if he doesn't show enough this year, he's gone and Lagerway continues to overturn his team. I assume this will be a big project for Lagerway in the sense of you might see an increase this year a little bit, but you would hope. I don't think it's going to turn overnight so i'm thinking you want to take a step this year and then next year be like another big leap 
is what I would think. So I, I think he helps this team a lot. I'm just not sure it might be super visible this year. I think it's going to be a tiny step or a couple steps. And then the following year, maybe be um, a bigger step. So to answer your question in the notes here, do they finish better than 11th? I think so. I would certainly hope so. Yeah, and I think I think you're seeing the beginning of the Lagerway uh, reign too, right? Yakamakis is a good striker in the Scottish Premier League. And like you said, Jordan, if you had one league that you could compare to MLS, I think it would be the Scottish Premier League. It's a very physical league. Um, they do have some guys that are kind of the – no, I wouldn't say castoffs, but like guys that aren't quite ready for the Premier League or, you know, uh, Bundesliga or Ligun or, uh, you know, those kind of leagues. Here. Uh, like, I feel like they're they're right there. Like Rangers and Celtic, they're good clubs. And if you get anybody from those two clubs, I mean, you're looking at really good players, uh, people that are champion leagues players. So it, it just I think it will take a transition period. But I think right now you're seeing a pretty decent team. Like if you're looking at starting 11, this team is pretty darn solid if you're going to look at the their depth chart it etienne jr i thought was always pretty decent with columbus crew he just they never figured out a good way to play him and implement him into the style of play that caleb porter wanted and they were just underperforming all the time i think etienne jr you're looking at somebody that could take that next step and become one of the special wingers in this league um uh, luis arujo i think is one of the top talents when he is healthy i know last year he dealt with some health issues um, but if he's on the pitch for 30-some matches this year, he's a, a tremendous talent, one of the top players in his league. And he was kind of that next step that was pushing, I think, Joseph out. Like, I think he was the player that – and I hate to say this, but I think Joseph does like to be that guy. He wants to be that guy on the team, and I just don't feel like that was the case anymore. So he moves on. Um, and, and that's where I think the issues became apparent with um, Gonzalo Pineda. Like, I, I feel like Pineda didn't put up with that. He doesn't like the the starlet child. Um, I, I think that's what happens. And then Joseph is not going to match the production that he had 31 goals in the first season with Atlanta, 27 with the second season in Atlanta. Like you just don't get that ever. 98 goals and 130 some matches for Atlanta. You just don't have that. But once he started to kind of deteriorate, you let him go. And, and I'm glad Atlanta did. Loggerway came in. And there's, Jordan, there's a really good chance where Loggerway comes in sees what Joseph does. And if it was in one of these other GMs or whatever he is, president of operations, CEOs, if he came in, like some of these other guys would have gone, okay, Pineda, you figure it out with Joseph or you're gone and we'll replace you with somebody else because Joseph is our guy. Where Loggerway came in and said, hey, you know, he just doesn't fit into the culture and the environment of this team. Loggerway gave Gonzalo the chance to go, yeah, uh, we don't really want him back in this club. Let's move on. Well, my only thing with that is I'm not so sure how much of it was Lagerway because I know during the season yeah. we had heard like Joseph is done there, right? Yeah. So and that was before he took over. It feels more like a Balkanegra thing, honestly. Especially it might be, yeah. the worst thing about Balkanegra, right, is when he came out and said whatever he said. He said like we could have been mean and not sent him where he wanted to go, right. but we sent him to my, it's like, why even say that? Just... We could have sent him to the fire. Okay. <laughs> we could, Yeah. We could have sent him to the fire. <laughs> uh, no. That's wrong. Just to count. say, we're talking about Rangers and we're talking about Scotland, but Malik Tillman and James Sands have both scored for Rangers today in the FA cup or their Scottish. Yeah. Cup. Their Scottish leagues. Cup, um, yeah. And uh, they are currently winning three, two, um, in the 90th minute. So there you go. Okay. All right. Yeah, so for Atlanta, good. for Atlanta, <laughs> I think it is, you know, they had newcomer of the year last year with Tiago Amada. 
which is amazing because they finished 11th, right? So at some point here, they'll, I think that they'll have a little bit of an increase, a successful season for them again, hinges on this ninth place playoff, right? Like if it's nine places and they were 11th, you want them to take the leap. You want them to take the leap and be like, all right, we're, we're back in the playoffs. And I would even say you want to make a little bit of a run in the playoffs to be really successful because last time they were in the playoffs, they got beat by NYCFC, right? On their way to the MLS Cup. Um, and they got trounced by them. I think it was like 4 nothing, something like that. I can't remember. So you would want a better showing in the playoffs if if you get in, is, is my thought there. But I would say bare minimum. If it's nine places, make the playoffs. If it's seven places, finishing seventh or eighth, I think would be a reasonable thing. I think Atlanta fans will say, no, we need to be better than that because they have high expectations. But I'm thinking first season with Garth Lagerway, you lost Joseph, you're bringing in new blood, how that affects and how they adapt. That can take some time, right? And I think one thing that kind of might have spoiled Atlanta United fans is even when they were missing, like after Al Marone left and they missed on people like Barco and they, you know, they still won trophies. They still were doing well when they were hitting, when they were missing on pieces that they should have been hitting on. So I think that's kind of left a little bit of a disillusionment, right? Of what they can expect. But I would say, if it's seven places for the playoff, just making it or just missing it would be fine. I don't know if that's enough to keep Pineda's job, but I think it'd be fine to be like looking ahead. You know, um, something I want to look up. Uh, if you want to give your thoughts, I'm going to look up something. Yeah, so the, I, I think we always come in and I, again, I, we, we don't really have, we love all these teams. Like we just, Jordan, I don't really have... But I, I feel like there are teams where uh, the expectations of the team and the, how they perform always need to be um, tampered or tempered a little bit. And I think this one's uh, one of those teams where Atlanta fans, I, I think, because of the success had early, it's one of those teams that need a little bit of uh, temperament. And as far as like trying to kind of set expectations at a realistic level, and I think that at a realistic level, you're looking at this team and going, first of all, they need to stay healthy because Brad Guzan, Miles Robinson. Uh, Arujo, like th- those are guys that missed some time last year. Guys that you know, you, you've got Alonzo in the middle, and he's older. Like it, you know, I, I don't expect him to be around all season. Like I expect Ozzy Alonzo to be somebody that's in the midfield for you know twenty matches. I, I just don't see him playing thirty four anymore. So uh, I think tempering expectations. I think this team is realistically, like you said, Jordan, either right outside the playoffs or just getting in. Uh, this year. And I, I think, you know, the big striker signing uh, and it is something that's good for them, but I don't think it's going to push them over a level where, you know, they're a tremendous team. Now I think miles Robinson being healthy, uh, he's one of the best center backs in this league when healthy. So that helps tremendously. I think that helps their defense, but I, I just, it is interesting because the East is the East is in such, such chaos because there's so much turnover in these teams um, with CF Montreal with I think even the crew technically just because Wilfred Nancy stepping in that could take them to a whole different level and propel that team because Chucho's there. Um, you've got uh, NYCFC that I think we're just kind of going. I don't know. Red Bull are always kind of a weird wild card where you're just like, I, so they could it could go well, it could not. 
Inter Miami will get to defensively. They struggle as well. Orlando too. Like there's just so many big question marks in the East. So I think the East is pretty much wide open past the Union. <laughs> like it goes Union and then everybody else. Like everybody else, figure out where you're going to sit because I, I do feel like the Union are still the cream of the crop in the East. I just feel like maybe Red Bull might be second right now, and I, and then after that, it's just a free for all because I just don't know how these teams will go. So yeah, I think Atlanta. Eighth spot, seventh spot. I think even with the nine-team playoffs, eighth spot, seventh spot. Like uh, that's where your team needs to be. I don't see this team being a top-four team in the East. But again, crazy things happen in MLS. You're adding Nashville in. I always forget, um, which are usually a stable three or four option, maybe a two uh, if they can figure it out. So, yeah, I think Atlanta United, right direction, maybe a year or two. You're really going to start to see this team become a contender again. Uh, which is exciting for the the East and the league. So it should be pretty interesting. All right. So I, I did some digging. Okay. So Garth Lagerway joined general manager of RSL in 2007, September. So near the end of the season. All right. 2007 season, so the season that caused him to get hired, RSL finished bottom of the West. Now, <laughs> if it was this, okay, let's look, go back to 2007, right? 2007 was a very different time in MLS. There was 13 clubs, Logan, 13 in 2007. There were seven in the East and six in the West. All right, so there was less teams than playoff teams in 2022, all right? RSL finished bottom of the West, which means they were six. So not, not awful, but there was only three. There was only three playoff spots available in the West, and there was five playoff spots available in the East because they did uh, just the top eight out of 13. So they missed the playoffs, um, and they were bottom. So they hired Garth Lagerwey. The next season, there was seven in the West and seven in the East, 2008. RSL jumped from six, or last, of the West to third. And they actually made it to the, what round did they get bounced out of? They beat Chivas USA. <laughs> Wait, we're going old school here. They, they lost, they beat Chivas USA. And they lost to New York Red Bulls because this is before they split them up into East and West and, and the actual playoffs or whatever. And the people that won that was the crew over the Red Bulls in 2008. Uh, so the next season, 2009, RSL won MLS Cup. So it, within two seasons, Garth Lagerwey had that team from last in the West to MLS Cup champions. They also, in 2010, reached the CONCACAF Champions League final. Um, so they, quick rise, right? 2015, he joins at uh, Seattle. Now, this is where it's a little different. Seattle had finished, I think, first in the West in 2014. Yes, they did. They reached the conference semifinals and ended up losing to Dallas. Oh, no, actually, no, they went to the conference finals and lost to the Galaxy during the Galaxy's reign. Actually, the last, I think it's the last MLS Cup Galaxy won, 2014. 
thanks to Chris Klein, right? We, we established that. So then you have 2015 when he joins. Seattle actually regressed a little bit. They finished fourth, and they got bounced in the knockout round by Dallas. This is when they lost to Dallas. I had it confused. But 2016, right? So two full seasons, Garth Lagerway had Seattle Sounders. Hold on, it didn't fully load, did it? Who won the... Yeah, you know what? It might be right. Hold on. Oh, no. Okay, 2016. So two full seasons. MLS Cup champions. So (laughs) two seasons for RSL. They win MLS Cup. Two seasons for Seattle. They win their first MLS Cup. What I'm saying is for Atlanta... That's not the goal this year, but maybe next year you see them win MLS Cup if you continue through Garth Lagerway's small sample size, of course, two clubs. But this is what he means to a team, Logan. He's a a top executive in American sports. Like looking at that resume that you just read off, like that is a 100%. That is a guy like a Theo Epstein. It's that guy you go. Yeah, we'll drop everything we need to to bring him in and, and fix the club. And man, if he can write the ship in Atlanta, this team with Arthur Blank uh, writing the checks that he does, um, I mean, it, you're you're looking at a team like LAFC on the East Coast because that that is that good. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to kind of see what he does at Atlanta. I think they've got good pieces going forward. So. <laughs> I'm just looking at. I didn't realize he was a player too. Uh, he last MLS club he played for was the Miami Fusion before they got folded in 1999 and 2000. That's pretty fun. He actually got loaned out to a USL USL A League team called the Hershey Wildcats in 1997. Played three games. That's wild. But yeah, so I mean, there you go. Top one of the top executives. That's what he means to Atlanta. And I think we kind of both agree on what a successful season is for them. So let's go into Miami because we have to still talk Miami and Orlando. So we're going real slow here. Miami finished six in the East last year. They had their first playoff appearance. They lost to NYCFC 3-0. They scored, again, 47 goals, gave up 56. They're one of those teams. Higuain had 16 goals. He really kind of figured it out after coming off the bench a lot. He's gone, though. Uh, he retired. Uh, Leandro Capania had 11 goals. Fantastic season. They re-signed him, right? They made that work out. They got Pozuelo from a trade with Toronto. He had two goals and four assists. Um, he only played 12 games with them. Uh, you had Bryce Duke, who had seven assists, which was the most among Inter-Miami players. And... I guess you could say they had it. I think a better season than I thought they would have. They had, if we look back at last year, I think it warranted. I know a lot of people were kind of on this. Why is Phil Neville coaching this team kind of nepotism with David Beckham. Right. But I think he kind of proved that he can coach in this league. He can coach with these players. 
and he he actually did pretty well. He got him in a playoff spot, which is I think what we said last year was the goal. And not to get in trouble with how many DPs they have, right? That was kind of like the big the big goal. Right. Let another team like LA figure that <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Let Galaxy get in trouble for it. Um so there you go. But they lose Damian Lowe, they lose Pozuelo, uh, they lose Higuain, uh Blaze Matweedy, uh Vasilev is gone, but they have um Added Capania, who was on loan, so full transfer now. They add Joseph Martinez, which I think is great, actually. And I think that's awesome, you know, when you lose somebody like Higuain to get the premier MLS striker right now. Um, If he can come back from injury and have a full season. And then you have, uh, they added uh, Sergi Kristoff, center back, Franco Negri, left back. And Nicholas Stefanelli um, as a central forward. So, Logan, your thoughts on the additions and the subtractions to this Miami team? Obviously, Gonzalo Higuain. Um, Jordan, I feel like it was his best year last year. 16 goals. He played like a leader. Like, you didn't hear any complaints from him. He'd been he'd been a constant headache, I think, uh, for Phil Neville um, and just that club in general, just because he, he – I think there were times where he's lazy. I think there's times where he just didn't seem interested, disinterested, whatever it might be. He said stuff about, you know, not being involved in the attack as much. And like, you know, do you know who I am kind of thing? Like, don't you know, don't you understand? Um, but then I, I really do. I think once his brother came in, Frederico, uh, and he, they, they really started to flip the script on like the story that was written with them. And they're both retired now. Um, both of them, uh, I think are, you know, special to this club just because that, instance where they started to play well when those two started to play well together the the sibling kind of connection and then leading into last year with a bunch of young guys and Gonzalo I feel like man did that really just kind of you know shoot them into where they should be as far as the the trajectory of this uh, franchise just because I think David Beckham spent all this money right Phil Neville's you know a coach that has a huge pedigree uh, of success so you're like okay this team's got to figure it out somehow. They, they've got tons of money. Um, they, you know, they kind of are, they're kind of like NYCFC without the success. <laughs> Stadium's a mess. The fans are like, ah, I don't know if I want to go to the match. What are you really putting into this team? Where is the investment? You have all this money. What the hell? Um, you have all this England, uh, I guess, all these English touches on it, on the squad. So why is this team not performing in MLS? You know, they came in and said, we're going to be that team that's scary and enter Miami. And they were not. And they have not. Last year, though, I mean, I feel like they played well. They bounced uh, Orlando a couple times. Uh, they played well against the Union. Like, they, they've played well against teams that just uh, you, you wouldn't expect them to play well against last year. And they did. Um, I feel like adding Joseph Martinez is massive. If he can get 10 to 15 goals, that's what you really need. Because I do feel like somebody like Stefanelli, who's going to be kind of that depth piece in behind he and Campana. um, I I feel like those are three really good options up top. And you just look at that, uh, you know, the youth infusion that they have with Bryce Duke is fantastic. Uh, Gregory is really good in that defensive midfield. Um, I think they've kind of short up the back line with Krivstov and uh, Nagri next to McBay or Sailor, just depending on if the young kid can get in. And then DeAndre Yedlin was an all-star last year, played that well. So, I mean, if you're looking at this, this starting 11, like, and, and I know it's kind of jumping ahead, but you're looking at a team that should be in the playoffs. Like I think consistently in the playoffs now. So I think they've taken that next step. 
they, they might need another person kind of in that midfield um, that's going to be really special. I know Rodolfo Pizarro is back uh, off his loan. He was a headache and a half to have around, but he's he's back. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with him. He occupies a DP spot. Can they get him off that DP spot? Can he play well? Um, I mean, I think they've got six DP spots left, so that's kind of fun. Um, but no, I, I think that just this team should be better. And I love these additions. I think this has pushed them into being that consistent defensive unit that they need and being that consistent attacking unit that they already had. So. All right. Uh, so I guess let's take a look here at uh, looking ahead to this season, right? You, you mentioned a lot of the signings, how you think they'll do. Do we feel that this team is finally on the right path? Can they improve on last year's finish? Is Joseph a distraction? Let's look at those few things. I think Joseph will not be a distraction. I think he'll be fine. I think he knows he wants to be the guy, like you said, and I think he is the guy here. Like I think because Higuain's gone, he's the obvious guy. Um, when we have can they improve off last year's finish? That's kind of the question, right? Because they finished uh, six. Yeah, six right? in the East. Yep. I, I think it'll be tough. I think it'll be tough to finish higher than six. Uh, just from where we are, you know, I, I think Nashville's going to come back and make a good leap. The only way I think they can really improve is I think Red Bulls or NYCFC or Montreal with a lot of their changes might fall a bit and maybe that's where they can capitalize. But I'm not so sure if that will, but I, I do think they're on the right path right now. I do think that they are continuing to go forward. Now it's like, how long does that last? How long until Phil Neville gets a look from someone else because he's starting to put together a little bit of a run here with Miami before he's like, all right, now I can go back to England. Like some of these people don't have the attachment here that they might just be gone. Like quick, like what, like what is the one thing that might pull Jim Curtin away from Philly is going to coach the U S job or assistant coach of the U S job. Right. But he's a Philly born guy. So he has attachment there. He's happy there. Phil Neville, he has that attachment somewhere else. So I think he might be able to say, Oh, if I'm getting, a championship job. He might be gone. Um, that's just kind of the vibe I get. So I'm not so sure. Like, I think they're on the right path, but this can kind of be thrown off within a year or two if he if he makes another jump, right? And it's going to be, okay, make sure that we keep the front office the same or something and we're able to just plug and play a coach that might work. But I don't know. What's a successful season for them, in my opinion, is if it's seven playoff spots, finish above seventh again, sixth or fifth. I'd say like keeping six would be a success, I think, but our bigger success would be like get fifth. But I think they lost a bit with Higuain. So it's like if it really hinges on if Joseph's fully healthy. If he's fully healthy, I say home playoff game, like fourth place. If that's still how it works, again, we have no idea how it works, right? Now, if it's nine playoff spots, I think it's kind of the same. You don't want to fall down. So I think you still want to be between fourth and six is probably where I'd pin. In a, I mean, I'd say if you get in, don't lose three nothing to a team. You have to get to the next round. I, th I think like you made your first playoffs. Great. Next round. Now you want to get to the next round after that is kind of 
where I sit with a successful season for Miami. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. I think it it's that fifth or sixth spot or being that better sixth, right? Um, I just don't know. I worry always about their defense because while it does sound good that they add these couple of guys, while I do think they've gotten better, I don't know if it's enough to move the needle. And again, when you add new defensive players in this league, you just, you, you try to figure out if they're going to fit just like you do in the attack. Uh, I think it, you know, sometimes it just feels like they 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 add band-aids rather than solutions. So is that something that they do here? I don't know. I don't know enough about these guys, but things that I've heard, it should improve the defense by how much. I don't know if it's marginally. This is a fifth or sixth place team, um, maybe seventh, uh, because we'll talk about Orlando. Orlando is a huge question mark because we just don't know. Um, Orlando could be good. Orlando could be oh dear. Um, it just, I think it's just so much turnover, just like Montreal, where it's like, I don't know if these guys are good, uh, then it, it's fine. But there's just so much to do with, you know, different players coming in. I think Inter Miami's got a, a really nice attack. I'm not sure Joseph is going to ever become anything more than a 10 to 15 goal scorer again. And that's stretch. I think I would honestly say if he finished it with eight or nine, that's a successful thing for him just because I just don't think he can stay healthy. I don't think he'll stay on the pitch. Um, so they're really going to have to rely on Nicholas Stefanelli, who sounds like he's phenomenal uh, from everything I've read from Alex, um, who covers Inter Miami down there, said that he's just he's got this different ability that uh, a lot of the guys in this league just don't have, even better than Campana. So uh, I'm interested to see how Stefanelli kind of integrates into this team, how Phil gets going. But like you said, Jordan, Phil's attention while is on Inter Miami, it's totally different. Uh, he's got he's got interest in going to England. There's no doubt. Like that's where he wants to be. His boy plays here. And I'm pretty sure that once he moves on, because I do think little Neville's going to play in England, just because I think he is that good. I think Phil goes too. So I, I just don't think he's going to be here for a long period of time, which is always kind of a concern because that coach is not really going to stick around. It's kind of that one and done. Um, you have the opposite happen. He's of course not going to be like Matias Almeida, but I think that that is somebody that was out kind of looking over his shoulder elsewhere. And I feel like that's the way Phil is too. So uh, yeah, successful season, five or six. Depends on what happens in Cincinnati. Depends on what happens in Montreal and NYCFC. Maybe Orlando's better than what we think. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of positives going around there too. So I, I just, it's interesting. The East, huge question mark. I can't wait for predictions because it's going to be wild. Let's take a look at Orlando, I guess, here. Head coach Oscar Perea. Last season, Logan, I'm not sure where we put a successful season for them. Maybe home, home playoff spot. Yeah, Is that it what it was? Playoff, That's yeah. what I thought. They did not reach that. They got no. seventh in the East. They couldn't they went home. <laughs> barely, barely made the playoffs. They two points ahead of Columbus Crew. Um, Columbus Crew, who were so bad they fired Caleb Porter. Well, because they lost two seasons in a row, right? But so it was a little dangerous there for Oscar Preya. I think one of the saving graces, right, is I think the Wilfs like him, but I also think that open cup. So I think if I had to reevaluate, it was a, a successful season. They won an open cup, which is their first MLS trophy as a, well, as an MLS side. I mean, and then still made the playoffs. Uh, I think that was think, lost in the first round, right? Or well, did they? Yeah. Lost in the first round. Yeah. The Montreal. Yeah. 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 yeah it was not good. It was. It's confusing from this FB from ref that I'm looking seating, at. Yeah. It says notes, and it just says first round, first round, first round, first round, first round, first round, and the only one it says conference semifinals is Philadelphia. 
So I'm like, did nobody update this? Nobody um, advanced. It nobody just, advanced except Philly. Man, nope. that's crazy. It was all simulation. <laughs> nobody advanced to the final. That's kind of um, but yeah, so you know, they, they got bounced out by Montreal. Not great. Lots of injuries last year. Kara led the team with 11 goals, which was good. Not great. Uh, Torres had nine goals and eight assists last year. First, a great first season uh, for them. Defense had some issues because they're, again, one of these teams that scores 44, gives up 53. And they really probably need another goal threat to 15, 20 goals. They're still looking for that guy. Maybe somebody makes a leap or maybe they have to sign somebody, but they also lost a lot. Logan from this team, junior Urso gone. Pato gone. Tesho Akandele is gone. Uh, not that he did too much. Prera gone. Uh, Matinho, John Matinho gone. Ruan, Benji, Michelle, Mulraney, all of them gone. Now they bring in a lot here, right? They bring in Gaston Gonzalez for uh, what midfield depth, Martin Oyeda, um, who is 24 years old, 13 goals, 14 assists for Godoy Cruz in Argentina, which is pretty good in 45 games. They bring in Degur Dan Thurhalsen, uh, which is a native of Hafnafjorn in Iceland. Nice job. That was actually pretty solid. <laughs> was it? Yeah. I did not know it's how to do it. It's Dugardan. You almost got that right, but you did you did get that name right on the end. I am not going to try that. Yeah. Or no, the no, native. No, no, no. The native <laughs> the, the native of uh, that Harfnarf. Harfnarf Yarn. Yes. <laughs> uh he had eleven goals and seven assists and forty appearances, um, which helped his club win the Icelandic championship. They bring in Ramiro Enrique. For central forward depth, he's a 21-year-old who has a deal through 2025 with club options for both 2026 and 2027. He is a U22 initiative signing, um, which is along with Gaston Gonzalez and Cesar Arujo Rajo. And then you have Luca Petrasso is left back. Felipe Martins, I like that signing, actually. Shaq Mohammed, who was a, a draft piece. Um, Duncan McGuire, which was central forward added. And then you have Rafael Santo, who is supposed to be the starting left back. Whole new team. I think that is one thing that's very tough to say what's a success or not going into this season, right? <laughs> but I think this is a club we were talking about that probably needed this, really, right? I mean, you kept the forwards, who were probably the bright spot of last season. But you end up moving on from pieces like what Nico Giacchini, yeah. right? Who went to St. Louis, Benji Michelle, Benji Michelle, right? Pieces that weren't really, uh, I mean, Benji, I feel like did better than Giacchini. Giacchini did oh, yeah, yeah, Giacchini just never right? figured it out, you know. So I think moving on from some of those pieces helps. Uh, and I think what you're starting to see is more of the influence of Perea and the Wilfs and less of the former Brazilian owners, right? Where it was a lot of those type of signings. So I I feel like we're getting a whole different team. And I'm actually really excited about watching Orlando with, with a whole new team as we go into it here. Uh, They, I guess I want to get your thoughts. You're the one that covers them now, right? On your podcast and just kind of you're down there. You're going to opening day. 
what's the vibes like you would think in or in the Orlando fan sphere and just your expectations and with a whole new squad pretty much? I would say the expectations and, and the buzz is just massive, bigger than I've ever seen uh, for Orlando City. And that's saying a lot because we've had Nani, we bring in Pato, uh, you know, there's been that Brazilian in, infusion um, into the squad in recent years, but now it's a completely different team. Uh, I would say the biggest loss is obviously going to be Junior Junior Urso. Um, he was the heartbeat of this team. I love Junior so much. I wish he would have stuck around. It just didn't seem like it was going to work with the. Young I guys. think of him every day, and yeah. I, you know, it sounds that sounds crazy, but yeah. there is a thing on my walk over here, uh, like a roundabout, and it is donated by the Urso Foundation. Oh, okay, yeah. no relation. But yeah. Every time I pass it, I'm like, oh, Junior Urso. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to do the bear, like he's the bear. So it was like I thought that you saw somebody doing the bear or something. But uh, the cocaine bear, the movie yeah, coming out. <laughs> right. I, I think that's Junior. Um, no. But uh, they needed this, man. They, they And you and I talked about this. Like, it seemed like Orlando was – they were kind of sitting on that number four to five spot, and they were just never going to improve on that. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed like that – and I think that's why the fans just lost interest. But now you look at it. Gaston Gonzalez, they signed last year. He doesn't come over because he's been hurt. So this is his first year. It's like a brand-new signing. He's a young kid. He's looked phenomenal um, off of an MCL injury. Probably one of the best in this offseason, along with Martin Ojeda, who's been one of the best players in preseason across the MLS. And they've been writing about it, how much of a threat he's been, how ready he is for this league, which is shocking because it's really hard. Uh, Duger Don has come in and scored two goals and two beautiful goals. Uh, you look at Ramiro and Grique, who can score from his previous experiences um, uh, in the Uruguay leagues. Uh, I, I think it. It's just it, it seems like this team just came in and they they did the Wolves spent like seven million and that's really not a lot compared to all the stuff that they brought in like brought in and, and got out so um, Shaq Mohammed is supposed to be a really good depth piece in center mid they actually think he's one of the only draft picks along with Duncan who can come in they got two great drafts players pieces that are going to be first team players eventually i think so duncan mcguire scored a couple goals here in preseason two against the loons like against guys that you know are defenders in this league that are pretty decent um so i mean it just from top to bottom man they look like a really solid team it just depends now i think on how well they gel together if they come in and gel Together, this team, you're looking at uh, what should be a four and above, I think, just because of all the pieces that they've added. I would say, depending on how long it takes, though, it could you could see them kind of sitting in sixth to fifth spot for quite some time, just because these pieces tend to struggle getting together. Um, and then you kind of worry about the consistency with their Giancara. Um, Facundo Torres is a star in this league. But again, if or, it, it is... If I had to set a bar for this season, Jordan, looking forward to 2023, how quickly can this team gel together? That's the question, right? So I think yeah. for me, a successful season would be. Did you just say fourth is what the aim is? I would say fourth. Yeah. With okay. the turnover. Yeah. I'm going to go a little lower. Yeah. I'm going to say, even if it's seven teams, I'm thinking fifth, sixth an improvement from last year. And and the reason I'm leaving that wiggle room, well, I do think this squad has a lot of potential and I believe in Perea, but it is the issue of them adjusting to MLS, right? All of these players adjusting to major league soccer is something that can take a while. Like you said. So I think 
Praya can get them on board. I think he can get all that going, but it's the good thing is like the two strikers are, are, you know, uh, Kara and um, uh, who am I blanking on right now? Uh, Kara and Enrique. Are you talking about the backup striker? Or are you talking about the winger Facundo? Yeah. Facundo. Sorry. Yeah. Torres. Yep. Okay. So you have both of them who were scoring goals. If they can continue that and maybe increase their goals. And then you also have, these new players coming in and adjusting. Like I like that the, the people that scored last year are still there. Right. Yeah. Like I, I like that. Yeah. Cause now it's like, okay, let's build around that. And maybe we can even get them better service and get them more goals, get the, you know, like uh, adding to that. But I think, the, you know, the issue was mostly like defense and stuff. So hopefully that gets ironed out. So I'm going to say fifth or sixth is good. And I think that's the aim if it's seven or nine playoff teams. I think you just want to see an improvement standing-wise. But here's where I'll throw a wrinkle in that. By the time they hit the playoffs, I feel like this team should be clicking where when they get in the playoffs, I want to see them go a round or two deeper. I want them to go – I want them to show something, right? Because I feel like they get in the playoffs each time and it's, oh, we lost. Oh, you know, they haven't made that step. Now, Open Cup showed that they were able to – like nab a trophy and play in a knockout style thing. So I really like that, but it's the main issue I'm finding is, and this might be too early to say this, this might be a next year thing, but I think really if you have them firing on all cylinders, it's time to go a round or two into the playoffs, get a little deeper. And then the following season, the goal is, Conference semifinal, conference final, MLS Cup final, something like that. You don't have to win it yet. But, you know, I what I really want to see from them is the leap that Philly made once Ernst Tanner came in, right? And once they started finding pieces and once Jim Curtin, you know, like I think we can kind of equate them a bit, right? Because Perea has kind of been under – uh, both regimes, right? So Curtin was under both GMs, Ernie Stewart and Tanner, and he made the leap with Tanner. And he has been able to make those progressions each year. Okay, we want to support our shield. Great. We get to the conference final. Great. We win the conference final next time we get them less cup final. And if Gareth Bale doesn't exist, we win it, right? Like th- that is kind of like the step by step by step. I want to see from... Orlando. I want to see a, a, an increase. And then next year, I want to see a bigger increase. And then I want to be talking about this team in two seasons. Let's mark that down somewhere, I guess. 2025. I want them competing for MLS Cup. I want to be able to have them go in in 2025 and say, this is a favorite for the whole thing. Because that'll help Orlando fans maybe start get coming back, right? They're kind of been like a sleeper cell around Orlando, but we need more competition in the East. It is literally Philly looks class of the East. And then it's whoever is having a good year. Right. And I think with Atlanta getting a longer way, we're going to see that at some point. And then I also think with Orlando, if they can make the leap at some point, um, and it all really comes down to Oscar Preya. I think he did exa- he's doing exactly what he did in Dallas where he won an open cup 
He gets in the playoffs. He doesn't quite win at all. Can he get over that hump in Orlando, I think, is the big question. And I'm hoping, like I said, two years from now, we're like, this is a legit contender. All the legit contenders come from the West right now, except yeah. for Philly. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I would 100% agree with that. Just because Red Bull inconsistency, uh, Nashville, they actually regressed, I think, defensively last year, which is shocking because they've always been pretty good. And they've got Hani Mukhtar, but you hope that's enough to push them over. They don't have that special. But again, Nashville just doesn't have that special player. Whereas this, Jordan, it looks like Martino Ojeda, Cara, and Torres, their top three players are their DPs. Like these guys are guys you pay a lot of money for. Air John Cara, I need to see 15 goals from. Martino yeah. Ojeda, six to seven assists, six to seven goals. I'm good with that first season. Facundo Torres, 10 assists. Like I really do think he could be that kind of guy, uh, like a Carly's heel. Uh, I really do think he's that creative. Um, and then you got Mauricio Pereira, who's been here forever. He is the staple of this team now. Uh, Cartagena and Arujo, two really star-studded like defensive mid players, and, and the guys that are that are looking to make that European push too. Janssen and Carlos, uh, that's another thing too. Not well, how well this team gels, but if those two stay healthy, it's one of the best defensive trios in this whole league because. I would say they're right underneath uh, the pairing of Jack Elliott, Glesnes, and Andre Blake. They're just a step down from those three because I do feel like when they're healthy, Janssen, Carlos, and Gaius, they are just uh, they're just so much talent there in those three um, that I think if those three stay healthy and then you add in Kyle Smith and Santos on the side with a Petrasso as a backup holiday, and then you've got Schlegel, who's a great number three option. So it's like – it is. This team's really exciting. Felipe Martins is added in. That's a beautiful veteran presence. Like, I just, I'm really excited about this team. This is probably the most excited I've ever been about Orlando City just because of how many new guys there are. And like you said, though, if they if they ramp up and they're gelling by May, you're looking at a top four team, I think. If they're not quite there in the summer, start to summer, I think, yeah, it's realistic. You could see a five or six um, because I think that, you know, we've seen some of these get off to a rocky start. So I don't know. There's hope in Orlando. And like you said, Jordan, I think in two years that a hundred percent, you need to set that benchmark of two years. You need to be in conference finals against the union uh, or, you know, in MLS cup playing against <laughs> LAFC or Portland or whoever it's going to be on that side. So it's like, it just, I think you need that in the East and you just don't have it, but I think Orlando could get there. Yeah, and I, I think people might be listening and saying, what do you mean none of the contenders come from the East? Because the last few MLS Cup winners, right? When you look at NYCFC, the year before LAFC won it, and then the crew won it, like, what, the year before that? But it's like both of those teams, I mean, NYCFC at least got to the conference final again this year, but now they're kind of going under this whole, like... We don't know what we are. Yeah, <laughs> type of thing. It, it becomes a – there's no consistency in the East, right? Crew were that for a bit. They jumped up, they won, and then it was like, all right, we're back out of the playoffs again. Now we don't know where we're going. I expect them to make a leap. We're not previewing them right now, but I do under Wilfred Nancy, right? But it's a lot of that in the East. We Even with teams that keep their manager, you have the Revs, won a, you know, won a supporter shield. The next year they, like, just missed out on it and we're abysmal then, last year <laughs> we're bad last year right and actually i'm not sure how i think they're gonna do uh, i don't think they're next gonna be year, as good yeah, this year so 
there's like this ebb and flow. I think teams on the rise, obviously, Cincy is one of them. Orlando's one of them. Red Bull, I think, are finally starting to but figure they're, out what they're they one would... of those as well. Yeah, you know, Red, Red Bull yeah. is probably the most consistent. They're like, yeah, they finished fourth. Four. <laughs> we yeah. finished fourth. <laughs> like that is just they're they're just yeah. they can have a bad season right. and then be like, we finished fourth though. Like it's yeah. <laughs> kind of how they and ebb I will and say flow. too, like look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's one player away from not being as good too. I think. Like I think a Brandon Vasquez yeah. leaves and you're going, oh crap. Um, Brenner's kind of started a little bit of fussy fuss there. Like it just. You're right, though. Like, I have they, faith, though. No I, I have faith that Albright has out. learned That's from true. Tanner. So, yeah. I mean, it's, That's true. I think at sometimes people used to think of Philly that way at times. It's like, oh, if they just lose that player, they're gone. But then they're yeah. like, no, we plugged up somebody else and we're good. So I, I do think Cincy will, will, will probably eventually move on from Vasquez and Brenner and probably still be good. But I don't know if they'll ever be like first place in the east good and, and that's kind of what the what i think not that we're previewing these teams yet but i think that's a leap that since he wants to make uh soon i would think but there you go uh so we have a lot of previews coming at you this week so we, we'll be recording one tomorrow or going live i'm not sure uh logan what teams are we talking about next yeah, so we're actually going to be previewing Minnesota, SKC, Dallas, Houston, and Austin. So the big three and Texas, SKC, again, another team you're kind of like, don't know. Um, and then a uh, very disappointing, I think, Minnesota season coming. But we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Um, and we'll go live for that, I think. So back to the West. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It just depends. Uh, we did ask a guest on for tomorrow. I haven't heard a response, so I'm assuming we're just going to go. We'll yeah, probably just probably go just live. Again. Yeah, yeah, just for that tomorrow. Um, I do want to ask a, a guest to come on for St. Louis for show number five, which should be coming at you Wednesday or Thursday, just depending, I think, on uh, what we decide. I think it's Wednesday. Um, and then next week, Jordan, uh, the big show I, I'm really excited for uh, is Red Bulls, NYCFC, Philly, DC, and the Reds, just because there's so much – going on with all those teams except for the union <laughs> like there is so much going on with those other teams that it's just like there's a bunch of confusion and then it's just talking about that cream of the crop right with the union so and then after that jordan season previews yeah and keep your eyes out we'll be doing a youtube exclusive video grading the mls kits whenever they decide to unveil those all right a lot of these teams are doing droppings throughout the week uh, I just signed up in RSVP. I don't know if I'm doing this, by the way. I just RSVP for it just in case. But at Subaru Park on next Saturday is the Union's kit launch from 10 to 4 o'clock. I signed up for it. My wife's out of town, though, so I don't know if I'm going to have the motivation to like get up and be like, oh, I'm going to go do that on my own. But I signed up for it just in case. Just in case if I go. Um. But yeah, so that is that is cool. Um, but we talk about it every week. MLS got to get better at a couple things, right? <laughs> got to get better at getting these playoff things figured out a month in advance. And these kit drops should be, you know, I know the season ended in December, right? So I'm not expecting a Christmas drop, right? It'd be great but at least a January drop. Like, why are we waiting a week before the season? Like when the union dropped theirs on Saturday, the 18th, the season starts the 25th. 
the only people that can buy it and have it ready for the season will be the people that show up to this launch event, right? Or if they go to the shop and actually order, if you order it online, you're not getting it for probably a week or two after you order it. So you would want the hype of the kit going into the season. I understand that's probably why they're waiting a week out. Like, Oh, we'll do the kit launch and then boom, we're right into the season, but you want the people to be able to wear the new kit. Like that's free advertising, (laughs) whatever. I think we should do an episode. Let's pose that. Let's do that. Let's do an episode on things that MLS needs to improve to become the league that they should. Yeah. You know what we'll call it? A lot of things. We're going to call it this. You can't keep getting away with it. You can't keep getting away with it. You won't. <laughs> they really can't. It's they so can't. annoying. There's, it's so annoying some of the stuff they do. I'm like, there's no other league in the world that does this. It's so stupid. And it's but so inconsistent it is. every year. Um, I think kits are sometimes like... Three weeks in advance. Is, one week in yeah, advance. There was Some teams, of them in January. Like there was the teams was like a year ago. Right. That was like we launched ours in January. We launched ours in February. We launched ours three days before the season. I'm like, what is going on? At least this week they all determined. This year they all determined. All right, the this, this is the week. We're the week yeah. before. But sometimes they like. And the thing is, they when you wait this long, most of these have leaked. That's true. Except for the one I care about, but most yeah. of these are leaked. Yeah, you're the only team, <laughs> the whole damn MLS, that hasn't leaked this kit. I look and it's every supposed day. To be the best I'm like, one where ever. is this one? It's supposed to be the best one, and any team has done. So I'm yeah. really excited because people keep saying the same thing that have seen it. So I don't know. The Pop Tart one is my favorite, but we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Whether I'm being serious or not, you'll see on that uh, YouTube exclusive video. So. Yeah, and on that video, we're gonna rank them three tiers. All right. We're going to rank them, buy it now, wait for Ross, or uh, don't buy it at all. Right? <laughs> Stay away. Burn it. Burn it. <laughs> DH gate. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Should we do four tiers where it's like buy it Ross, buy it knockoff like DH gate, and then buy it? I feel like the Ross and DH gate can kind of go hand in hand. That's what I was thinking. Kind of similar yeah, thing. Probably. Yeah. So we'll rank them on the three tiers. You'll have to see how we how we do with that. But yeah, it should, should be good. All right, but if you want to give us some follows, they are on uh, at Stateside Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Email us, statesideshow at gmail.com. On Wednesday, as well as another preview, you're getting another Ted Lasso Breakdown Episode 4. Uh, Ted Lasso will be released that day as we build up to season three. So I hope everyone is having a great rest of the week. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. And we'll catch you next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.